30 through Matthew chapter 4. How many of you guys got your Bibles? Hold them up and like wave them around. Awesome. Yes. How many of you guys use your Bibles more than just in church? You don't have to answer that. Just inside yourself. Like, yeah. Sometimes I go to and get ideas, and then usually 
guys the titles for the year. Um, but I was looking at this, and, I'm, and, I, and I just did a search on sermons about Halloween, because as far as I can remember, I've never really spoken a sermon on Halloween before, and so I did a search. There were literally pages and pages and pages of just sermons on Halloween, and, uh, and if I was a better pastor, I would probably uh, break down for you Ephesians chapter 5 and talk to you about how you shouldn't go trick-or-treating or anything like that, or, or if it's against the Bible candy at your doorstep or something like that, I would probably, if I was a better pastor, I would probably have some sort of nice, long message about Halloween, what Halloween is, but um, you, you guys are just stuck with me today, and so um, I've found that the best thing that I can do for you is just be me and not try to be somebody else, and, and, and as, as much as I've never preached a message on Halloween, um, I have no intention to start tonight. I pretty much center my sermons and messages around one central theme and subject, and that is, it's all about Jesus. And if I can't preach about Jesus, if there comes a point in my life where I cannot creatively describe or display the majesty of King Jesus, then by all means, I ought to retire and quit because there is no point in me doing this, because there is no message worth preaching. There is no point in me doing anything except the one that the Lord commands, which is even though I've never preached a message on Halloween, I am not going to begin tonight. Don't let the title confuse you. Don't let the opening statements throw you off. This message is not about Halloween and how evil it is. Okay? This, this is all about, this is all about Jesus. Thank you. But, uh, but I titled it Christianity Trick or Treat. Christianity Trick or Treat. And I, I often think of, you know, I just got to be honest with you guys. Um, that I could find a scripture that says there's a certain age that you can enter and you're not allowed to trick or treat anymore, but I was going to have to fall back on a, fall back on the statement that was said to me, and that's this, you're too old, stop trick or treating, okay? Just, just stop, okay? It, it's not cute anymore. Nobody wants to see you put a bed sheet over your head, carry around your pillowcase, and ask them for candy. It's, it's, it's too far, okay? You're, you're too old. Stop doing it. Okay, here's what I would suggest you do instead. Come to the harvest party, volunteer at the harvest party, and we can use all the help we can get. Amen? So no more trick-or-treating. You guys are too old. And I, I, I should read to you some different scriptures that tell you not to. I think Noah's probably the only one that would have been able to get away with it. And he's too old. He just doesn't look too old now. So he can get away with it, although he shouldn't. You guys are too old. I know if you had big plans to trick-or-treat, it's time to stop. Okay? But we all grew up trick-or-treating, didn't we? Maybe not some of you guys are like, oh, my, my parents were so cool. They just let me go out trick or treat. But, uh, but we all know about trick or treating, don't we? We go and uh, we get dressed up in our little costumes. And how many guys have already picked out your costumes for the harvest party that you're going to come and volunteer at? How many of you guys have already picked that out? I, uh, I have every intention to not get dressed up. And then on Monday night, my wife will say, you need to dress as something. So I will throw on a Laker jersey and a headband. That is my costume pretty much every single year. It will be that way again this year. I promise. I'm going to take it off. And how many of you guys have already picked out your costumes? You already know what you're going to dress up as. Yeah, I mean, you, it's okay. You can't trick-or-treat, but I'll give you permission to wear a costume if you'd like to on October 31st if that's, if that's what you want to do. You can have permission. But, uh, but we all would get dressed up in our costumes, and we would go door to door, and, and we would knock on our neighbor's door, and, and, and they would always say, oh, my gosh, what are you? not that hard to figure out, right? Just red black spots. It's not, it's not tough, okay? I'm a 
the door, they would open the door, and he would always come up with this classic phrase that I don't know where it came from, but Paul's a better pastor than me. I'll do a research and find out where it came from. But I'm not. You're stuck with me. And we would come up with a classic phrase. Everybody say it with me right now. Trick or treat. Can I say something? In your experience of growing up in life and going door to door and knocking on the doors, did anybody ever really want a trick? I don't believe so. Like, like if I went and knocked on my, the person across, that lives across the street from me and he's like, all right, I'll show you a trick. I'm going to pull a rabbit out of hat. I'm going to be like, honestly, man, uh, I just want the candy. I'm not going to lie. I just, I'm just going to be straight with you. Let's just be honest. I'm really not interested in the trick. I don't want to see you pull a quarter from my ear unless you're going to give me that quarter, okay? Just, I don't, I'm not interested in the trick. Please just give me the treat. When we went and we knocked on that door, we might as well have just told our prospective sugar donors that, hey, you know what? I just want the candy. It's all about the candy. I love how Jesus spoke when he said, trick or treat. He said, trick or treat. Because that's, that's really where we all kind of come from. That's really what we all wanted. Nobody was really interested in the trick. And if any, did anybody ever grow up and you went, you did the trick or treat, and somebody actually wanted to show you a trick? like, come on, man, I got a lot of houses on this block to hit. I mean, you're just, you're just wasting my time. If you're not going to give me candy, you're just wasting my time right now. Can, can, it's, it's, it's not, I'm not interested in the trick. You know, I think it's pretty interesting that in this scripture in Deuteronomy, Moses begins this final speech of kind of his life and his, his stuff. He, he begins it saying, it's, it's not too difficult for you to understand. It's not Verse 11, he says, it's not up in heaven where you would have to send somebody up to heaven to go get it and come down and explain it to you so that you could make. It's not across the sea so that you have to go get somebody and bring it back and explain it so that you could obey it. It's, it's not too difficult for you. That's what he said. It's not too, it's not too hard for you to do. I think sometimes he, he basically just summarizes and makes it very specific and very easy. And I like it when people make stuff very specific and very easy. Has anybody ever had conversations with people where they like give you several different options of what you could do and they kind of, they're like kind of winking during the one option, like do this one. I, I would rather them just say, hey, you know what, you could do all these different things, but if you want me to be happy, just do this one. You know, like like when, I, when I'm at home and I'm like, babe, I got about an hour before I got to go to work. What What is the one thing that I could do that would make you happy? I don't want to hear her say a list of things that she knows I can't do. What's the one thing you want me to do? Is it dishes? Is it take the garbage out? Is it is it get rid of the cat? I'll do that one gladly. Whatever it is that you want me to do, just let me know and I'll go ahead and do it. Just give me that one simple, basic thing. Make it easy. When you, when you preach a message, make it easy to apply. Make it simple. Make it easy. And Moses is saying, I'm going to make this very simple and very easy for you. I'm going to make this really, really hard for you. He says, I Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be cursed? Do you want to be alive or do you want to be dead? 
most of us in this room, pretty soon we'll be tired of it. I would, I, I would choose to be happy with this. That's just me. It's my own personal prerogative, I guess. I would just, if I had to choose whether or not I was going to be alive or dead, I would probably choose life. But here's the trick about death. Death does not wear a name tag. Have you noticed this, that, that death is a lot like we are on October 31st? Um, death dress up in costumes. Death does not meet you at the airport and say, hey, I'm death. I'd like to schedule an appointment with you later this week. Because if that was the case, we'd be like, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty busy this week, man. Wash my hair and work on making a couple nice letters. And I don't know. Death doesn't do that. It's not simple. It's not, it's not like death just comes out and says death. I mean, we, we love to see the picture of death when he's wearing the black hood and he's got the sickle. And that makes it really easy for us because we know if we see the guy with the black hood and the sickle, we need to avoid that guy. That's pretty obvious, isn't it? We would know, hey, if, if we see a guy with the sickle, we just should avoid him. But even if he's not wearing the black, if we see a guy walking around town with a sickle, just avoid that guy. Okay, then just, just stay away from that guy. There's no good that can come from talking to him, okay? But, but death doesn't always show up like that. Sometimes death shows up in a costume. Sometimes death shows up as a Cinderella that disguises itself as acceptance. You know what's interesting is, is most of the people that I talked to, when I was growing up, when I was in, when I was in Catholic church, and I would see my brothers and sisters, they would sometimes come over. I, I, I remember, you know, this big emphasis when I was, when I was a teenager that you got to be really pure. show has made millions and millions and possibly billions of dollars 
showing clips of guys getting hit in the crotch with a baseball bat. And yet, it keeps on happening. You know this. Some of the guys that you see in these clips have watched America's Funniest Home Videos and said, man, that guy's an idiot. What a moron. And then later on, they're sitting in the tape of how they were stupid and they were a moron. See, stupid people wouldn't do stupid stuff if they realized in the moment that it was stupid. Can we all agree on that? That, that the guy who's going to rob the bank would not write, give me all the money on his business card if in the moment he thought, this is stupid. Nobody's like, I can't wait to make it on America's Dumbest Criminals. I just I can't wait. They, they wouldn't do it if they thought that it was stupid. And yet, there's so many times where death disguises itself, puts a costume on, and makes himself look like it's something we're serving and something we're doing. And yet, if you were to step back and look at this situation, you would realize
We're done with death for a few minutes, okay? Starts with, for I command you today, to love the Lord your God. 
says this. But if your hearts turn away, you're not obedient. And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly perish with them. Here's what it says. Verse 16, you will start to resign your love of work and pride. The obedience that follows is what spoils them together. Verse 17 starts with if your hearts will turn away. The disobedience that follows is a start to love of work's work. It's a response to love of work's work. It's what you're doing. You're not admitting to self, I'm not all that great. I'm not a drunk. I'm not selfish, as you say. But what it does say next is I'm going to say what's popular to the church. And what it says is, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. If you love me, you'll obey what I command. Now, many people read that and they say that if you obey what I command, then you love me. But you must understand that obedience is not proof of true love, but true love produces fruit. See, because I can be obedient for several different reasons. I can be obedient for, for lots of different things. Listen, I don't obey the speed limit because I love the speed limit. I don't obey the speed limit because I love the police officer. I don't obey the speed limit because I love the city councilman who decided that my street needed to be a 25 mile an hour speed limit. I don't obey it because I love those people. I obey it because there's a consequence. I obey it because I don't want to pay a ticket. Is anybody with me? Can you drive to the Comstock Bluffs? I'm with you right there. I don't, I obey the speed limit, not because I love the speed limit. See, because obedience is not proof of true love. True love produces just a way that years and years ago, smart people figured out to come up with this story so that they can control you. If it's all about obedience and disobedience, then you'll always have accusations and resistance. It's just about control. Now, as, as long as obedience is the focal point, then, then obedience is just a form of slavery. O- obedience is nothing more. If you're just obedient because the Bible says to be obedient,
confessing sister wants us to act a certain way and be a certain way and our parents only tell us about the Bible because they want us to not get rebellious they only tell us about the Ten Commandments because they want us to hear that that thou shalt honor your father but that's the only reason that people tell us is because we think that the trick is a trick and then we look at the trick and that's the truth but the the world hasn't figured out that what the world has is better than what we have because in obedience is the focal point and in obedience Trying to make 
make it difficult. He says, I'm going to make it very simple for you. You love God. That's the key. That's the point of your relationship. The, the thing that leads you to life is not your obedience. The thing that will lead you to life is your love for God. That's, that's much better than any other spot in this world. I'm just saying maybe you guys like me and you know you're making things for obedience sake. But I'm just, I've just found myself in a position in my life where if I have to do it just because I have to do it,
yourself of the goodness of God, that although you deserve death, he gave you life. You remind yourself of how great our God is. You just keep thinking about how good he is. You just keep thinking about how good he is. You consider our punishments to be the lot of us. It will just be a little bit faster for us to live. Then he's going 25 miles an hour at the speed limit, and we ticked off every 